0: Hello, I'm Alex, I'm Kelly, and this is the LitJoy Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Valeris Bookshelf Alley. If any product could be like bookmarked on your calendar, make it this one. We have sold out of this product uh, so quickly that we decided to bring it back, but it is as a pre-order. So the goal is to open it up for a sales window long enough for everyone who wants to buy it to be able to jump in and get it. Uh the sales period is January 26th through February 19th. Correct? correct? Correct. And mark your calendar. I think if you go to our website, you can actually sign up to be notified. It's litjoycrate.com slash Valeris, V-E-L-A-R-I-S, which is a nod to the fact that the Bookshelf Alley takes place in Valeris during Starfall with Feyran Rezand It's just a very beloved little alley that fits right in between your books. It's beautiful. So make sure to go sign up to be notified and we out.
1: We also want to tell you guys about our reading journal that we have in stock right now. This is one of my favorite items that we've ever created. It is something that we try to keep in stock at all times, and it's perfect right now with the new year happening. Um, It's a great way to keep track of your reading goals. There are so many different kinds of pages in there that are interactive. Um, We've got lots of fun pages for tracking the books you've read. You know, there's book to movies. There's lots of pages where you can keep track of uh, the books from all over the world i'm trying to yeah. remember that pages yeah there's like, like world
0: travel pages yeah. there's there's also like bookshelf pages where you can call it, fill in you your fill book in. titles and color them in. So it's just like a really beautiful way to interact with your reading. I love it because
1: then you can really just keep track of your review, your star rating, your thoughts, favorite quote, things like that as well. And these are perfect for book clubs. I actually did give these out to everyone in my book club last year. Everyone's very excited to start filling them out. So just wanted to remind everyone to go check out those reading journals. And
0: they do come in several colors. And today we're going to talk about books that get you out of a reading slump, which is something that is a real phenomenon. It is. It exists.
1: and even the most avid reader, right, who, let's say, read books constantly, many yeah. a week or whatever that is, they fall into these slumps. And there are many reasons why they can exist. So we kind of just wanted to have a little quick discussion about what a reading slump is, um, what can cause them, what can help you get through them. And then we have our top 10 Yep, of books that we would recommend
0: for people who might be in a reading slump. That have for sure gotten us or others out of reading slumps. Yes. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about, Kelly, what are things that have gone you into a reading slump like personally,
1: yeah. So I actually fell into one just barely uh, uh-huh. December, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons that I fell into that slump was there are there was a lot of big life changes that happened for me, and a mm-hmm. lot of times if there's a lot of pressure, a big change, clearly that takes priority. Other things fall off the map, and I, for me, reading is such a lovely solitary, almost like treat. Yeah, for me. When I have some alone time or I have a minute where I want to sneak in a read, that's like my little, oh, I earned this reward. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how everybody views it. But uh, in December, with everything that was going on for me, that kind of definitely took a backseat, my reading. So for that, it's like big pressure, life changes, job change, things like that. Or I was reading a lot of the same genre. Which is another yeah. reason you can fall into a slump. Okay, yep. I was reading a lot of romance. <laughs> I nothing wrong with that, no. and I still thoroughly enjoy them. I think that that just sometimes you need to break it up, mm-hmm. right? What about you? What has caused a slump for you?
0: Yeah, so I think usually there's a couple different times. Like I think it's it's different circumstances lead to like reading slump. But yeah. one of them for me is when I finish just like a really immersive awesome epic fantasy Ugh. like that tends to be like my favorite escapism is if i'm so engrossed in a fantasy that i don't even realize i'm reading anymore mm-hmm. because it's like coming to life and when i finish one of those and i feel like nothing will fill that void oh um, like a book or, hangover yeah it's like a book hangover can kind of like like slowly progress into a bit of a reading slump for me yeah um and then another way that i have experienced reading slumps is if I have multiple books going at once and I'm not interested in any of them, uh, right? So I I tend to have like two or three books that I'm reading, like mm-hmm. an open book, like a, a hardback or paperback, and maybe two that I'm listening to. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of just decide on my mood. I know some people can't do that; they're like beginning to end one book at a time. Yes, but I'm really an emotional reader, mm-hmm. so I kind of like what what do i want to read <laughs> like every day like i test my emotions and for then sure. i'm like that's what i want to read and so if i am have multiple books going and i'm none of them excite me i know that's a me thing and i'm in a slump a little mm-hmm. bit and so i think that that's one of the things that kind of gets to me
1: yeah and that reminded me of another one for me as well which is reading a book i don't like yeah now normally I would just say, put the book down, you know, maybe you gave it 50 or hundred pages. You didn't like it. But, um, because I'm in a book club, I run a book club. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I have to read it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I want to be there for discussion and show up whether I liked it or not. And so I find myself dragging my feet sometimes when it's a book I'm not loving, um, but still feel like I need or want to finish. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of almost feels like I need a break because I need that to was shake so it off. So much work, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You shake it off, but those are like some of the the things we've experienced. At least you know, just too many books, or not reading the right one, or you read a real heavy one, like you were yes. saying. I
0: think we read a what was it like? anna karenina we read like a russian classic it really was i'm like there's some people where their jam is russian classics. yes bless their hearts they can be (laughs) i can't do it they're arduous is that a word arduous i think it is yeah yeah and like they just they it's a very russian style of writing i feel like russians have an endurance yes as a culture endurance with misery and (laughs) long-windedness I like, and I thought I thought Joe Wright's *Anna Karenina* was beautiful, oh, yeah. but watching that film, I'm like, yes, this was just as depressing as the book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then *War and Peace*. Wait, was it *War and Peace* that had Lily um, James in it in the short? That was a TV series. Oh yes, I think that was right. Gorgeous, also really freaking depressing. Tolstoy.
1: Yeah, Tolstoy's not you know for. A the happiness heart. boost. <laughs> we will not recommend Tolstoy to get you out of reading slump. That's a great way to put
0: it, but I'm also like there's a there's, there is a place and a time for there's Tolstoy. like a sense of accomplishment too when yes. you like get through a book that you didn't love. I always feel guilty when I'm in a reading slump, and I don't love the books that I'm reading because I'm just like, I feel like I know someone put their heart and soul into it, yeah, so I'm like there are many books that I read where I'm like this is not my favorite book because I think that favorite means it's only a few, right? Yeah. And so I always feel guilty that I don't love every single book I pick up.
1: I always feel guilty when I read a book when I'm in a slump and I give it a bad rating yeah. because I know it was not the right place, not the right time, not yeah. the right season, whatever it is. Um. So a lot of times, if I can do it, I will try to go back and reread yeah. it to
0: determine like, okay, did I really feel this way about this book or was it, mm-hmm. was it a me thing? Was like, I in a bad place? Might be a me thing. It's true. I know. And also sometimes book club discussions make it so much better. Yeah. Uh, Like a book that you read in a reading slump. One thing I love about book club is you, it forces you to get through the book and then you go and you talk with everyone about it and then you see what other people loved about it. Like I read A Gentleman in Moscow and it was, it was maybe like a, like a four star for me. I, I loved it. It was enjoyable. I thought it was interesting Um, It's not classic Russian literature. I would recommend the book, Mm -hmm. but I listened to everyone at book club and there are multiple people there who like, it was their favorite book they've ever read. Mm -hmm. They loved it. And it made me um, like appreciate it more. And I think I bumped my rating up to a 4.5 because I was like, oh, uh, now I see what the author was trying to do and what it means to you. Actually, I think Blake Crouch, that was like his favorite book. Oh. Remember really? when we interviewed him for book club? Yes. And he was like, I, I love remember. a gentleman in Moscow. And we're like, okay, we're all, we've read that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But
1: it's uh not trying to be a plug for book club, but yeah. you know, I love when we do go to a book club and do that. And we a lot of times we'll even discuss the book, like our ratings on it before we start reading. We used to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, before we start discussing. We'll be like, what out of five stars, what would you give this? Then we have a discussion, then we re-rate the book, and it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Because so many people will change their, yes. their uh, review, their star rating, because they're like, oh, like, oh, I missed that. I have a better understanding now. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. So mini plug for book clubs. I just think it's 100%. so great. Yeah. To see other perspectives. That's my favorite thing about reading in general. Yes. um Is to get other
0: perspectives, whether it's from the book I'm reading or the people I talk That's to about That's literally it. how we started LitJoy. Yeah. Is we like had read a bunch of the same books and we stayed up all night talking about them and we're like are we best friends? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> yes. It's like our energy is just vibed because of books. And that's still like everything we do at LitJoy, we're still like, does it celebrate the joy of reading? Yeah. Like if it doesn't celebrate the joy of reading, then... Doesn't meet our pra- it, parameters. It doesn't. And it's just, we can't generate any energy around it because yeah. that's what we love about LitJoy is that love of literature. So anyways.
1: <laughs> Slight then, deviation. I know,
0: I know we're like, get off our we're soapbox. Not. I know. Um. Okay, so let's give some general tips about how to get out of reading slump. Mm. Um, What are some things that you personally do, Kelly, to get out of reading slumps? Well, apparently I should add join a book club because I actually think that's a huge
1: help. 100%. Um, If you feel like you don't like reading, let's say you even hate reading. I've had a lot of people who join my book club that have told me I hate reading. Good luck. Yeah. And I'm always like challenge accepted, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <She's> masochist. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always like don't don't feel like you have to read the book. Just come, just come, you know. Mm-hmm. And people immediately are like, oh, like I did not realize what reading could do, and yeah. they'll give it a go, you know. And so book clubs are great because I think it pushes you outside of what you're normally inspired to read, yeah, and helps uh, strengthen uh, your love for reading mm-hmm. or. Create a new love for reading. Yeah, um I think it also it expands your perspective. Obviously, of all things, yeah. Like I can't even give it a category. It's just it expands your empathy. It expands your perspective. It expands your happiness. I'm all. I, know. I love book clubs. But so book clubs are a great way to either get into reading or get out of a slump.
0: I think so too. Yeah. um I think also it's so interesting. You mentioned that book clubs can expand your perspective Mm -hmm. because I feel like sometimes we get in slumps because we are just getting so much of the same perspective it's just like we're reading the same genre it becomes formulaic and I'm like I might suggest if you're in a reading slump to read something that's completely different Um, because that will force you to think differently it literally makes your brain go and exercise brain neurons that it doesn't exercise all the time and so I'm like read a biography, do an audiobook instead of a book so you can hear it. I'm like, mm-hmm. if you're in a reading slump, I would highly recommend, I don't know if this one's on there. It might be, did we put green lights on there? I'm like one book that got me right out of a reading slump was green lights. Okay. I listened to it. It's Matthew McConaughey. Like, yeah. He narrates his own book. I'm all, he takes you on a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to get you out of a slump because, um, he's an interesting person. And I didn't, ex- I was surprised by like the depth and, and the storytelling skill he had. And it felt much more like, uh, it was like a memoir, but also like a story. Yeah. Like a, almost like a modern fairy tale is kind of how it felt. That sounds like Matthew. Uh-huh. It was very interesting book. So I'm like, I would change up the genre and I yes. would change up the, the method that you're, you're engaging with the work. Instead of doing an audio book, pick mm-hmm. up a book in hand. Instead of doing a book in hand, maybe do a graphic novel, you know, something like that.
1: Yes. I'd never gotten into graphic novels until recently. I yes. The uh, Worldwide Phenomenon, uh, Lore yes. Olympus books. Uh, it's by Rachel, I can't remember her last name, but they're graphic novels about oh, the gods. Oh, they're so pretty. They're, I love them, but I love any mythological love retelling. The, the, yeah, mythology. And it's a Hades and Persephone focus, which is, again, something I've always loved since college. Um, so that's another great way to get out. I, that actually helped me last year when I got in a slump, I just was like, I'm going to try this graphic novel. Never tried him
0: oh such a delight. Like yeah. an adult graphic novel is so much fun. Would you recommend what age you re- would you recommend them to? Cause Liam was just telling me yesterday, he was like, I'm so into mythology right now. Cause they're learning yes. about it in school and he has loved it. And Liam is like one of those kids where only two things in the world, the world light him up and it's like <laughs> sports and girls. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, I love mythology and okay. we're like okay we got to buy him some stuff. So like would you recommend them for Liam? I would say 18 and up. Okay, they so are they, adult they're content. adult content.
1: Correct. But my daughter uh has the Percy Jackson graphic novels and loves them. Oh, they did all of them in graphic novels? Not Yes, actually they do have all of them except the new book that just came out. The just okay. Yes, I believe they do. So she has all five and loves those. So Pip. I know he's probably familiar with it, but The is there's just something different in your brain when it reads like a comic, right? Totally. And you actually have to fill in the blanks almost in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. the words are so limited. Mm -hmm. So that's my suggestion, probably, for him. And that is obviously kid friendly. So perfect. Yeah. So another way to get out of a slump is kind of like we're talking about you read shorter books. If you want to try to like get through the slump and not just stop reading, maybe try something like a graphic novel or something shorter that you feel accomplished
0: when you finished it. So maybe it's just like a little novella or just a quick read. Yeah, actually, I've totally done that. So I was in a bit of a reading slump um, the beginning, like early last year. And um, I actually went and read like three novellas back to back that were novellas all related to series I had already read. So I was like revisiting characters I loved. and, um, And I feel like it just snapped me right out of it. Cause I was like, I just needed, I felt like pressure with my, my reading goal. I don't know if you said like a number reading goal, yeah. but I was like five books behind because I had read a huge book that had kind of put me behind. And then I was in a bit of a slump and just checking those three off of my reading list made me feel like right back in it. And I felt yeah. way better, you know, like, and it's so interesting how reading goals can sometimes be the reason you get in a reading slump Yeah. because you feel like you can't reach that number. And so I've actually seen a lot of people on our to-be-read Instagram who are like, I'm not doing a number goal. Mm. I'm just setting like a goal to read a couple books outside of my genre or that kind of a thing. So
1: yeah, I know there's a little bit of, I don't know, controversy. What am I trying to say? There's just a debate about like reading goals, I think, Mm -hmm. about what's the right one. And I'm all, this is purely personal. You know, what motivates Mm -hmm. you to read? End of story. It's kind of how I feel about it. Whether it's you're intuitively reading with what you feel that day, or I'm just going to read one book from a genre, I'm going to start a book club, like whatever it is, happy that you're doing it. Yeah. But for me, I need a goal too, like a number mm-hmm. to kind of keep me motivated. Cause I'm, I'm that person that's like, I want to hit the check mark. I read it. I'm meeting my goal. Like oh, yes. that motivates me. Right. Yes. I missed it by one book this year. I was so mad. I tried oh. desperately to hit my goal, but I I, I hit the slump because there was some personal things going on, just couldn't get to it. And I mm-hmm. was like, set that up set
0: that off to see. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I made my goal this year, but I missed my goal 2022 goal by two books. Mm-hmm. And then the year before that, I went three books over. This last year, I set my goal at 30 instead of 50. And I read 46. So I'm like, what the hell? But the year before that, I could only get 30 done. And so that's why I set my goal down. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like you can't you think that there's a consistency to life, but life tells the only thing that's consistent is that It's It's uh, always different. Yes. It's always changing. So I'm like reading goals, if they're not helping you love reading, and then it's totally fine to change the goal, even mid-year, whatever it is. Like, it's fine to pivot in your reading journey and your reading life, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel about it, too, is just pick what works for
1: you, whatever that goal looks like, because... Right now, everyone's setting these goals, especially in our community with the Bookish World, and there are a lot of people who have feelings about it. And yeah. I'm just like, whatever keeps you reading is all I care about, because that's what's important for yep. me and our community and what we love to talk about. And yeah, like two years ago, I think my reading goal was like 20 books. Honestly, like yeah. I was so busy I couldn't read; it was crazy. And then yeah, the last year was like 50
0: books, you know. So. Yeah it's fine. Oh, so you read 48 books? 49. I'm like, that's great. (laughs) You believe it? That's great. I mean, there have been years where I've read like closer to 60 books, but I also was like, didn't have a job and was just like nursing my baby all day. So I'm like, there's seasons of reading too. So I'm like, just give yourself a little grace. That's another thing to get you out of reading some. some. Which reminds me of another one, which
1: is what you've kind of mentioned. So my husband who listens to audiobooks almost obsessively, um, he he does audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And that's another great way. If you are like not in the mood to read a book, pick up an audiobook or try listening instead. Um, this is a great way to get multiple books in too if you want to actually add in more books mm-hmm. or if you just want to try something different. Um, he listens to hundreds of books. Like he's just constantly going through them yes. that way. But that's how his brain works. He has actually a very hard time sitting down with a physical book mm-hmm. and reading it. Like he's so impatient to do that. And I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'll have a book and I I put it on if I'm getting ready in the morning. Me too. Driving, if I'm cleaning. You know, you want to do something that is so easy for your brain to do that you can still listen. Yeah,
0: like your lizard brain is busy doing laundry so that your other brain.
1: So you can really take in the information that Mm -hmm. you're listening to. Like, you don't want to be, have you can't think while you're listening. I can't. No, I can't.
0: Like I could never work at my computer and listen to an audiobook. So yeah, that makes sense. That's perfect. And it's
1: a great way to pass the time just like putting on my makeup or vacuuming with my earbuds in. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great tip just like for people who are like, I don't have time. I'm all, well, could utilize a little more of your time if you just get it on your phone. And another thing we like to do is like double time the speed. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but the audiobook readers are incredible. But when they read, they read so slow yeah they're
0: like even the most avid of readers yes get into a reading so i'm like double time that shiz (laughs) and get that book going i hope actually as a there's like a podcast moment you can double time us too actually when we listen to the podcast back i always double time it because i'm like i gotta get through this shit no judgment i was like and it's not that we feel like we're talking slowly i think it's just people talk slower when they're in communication and listening, yeah. then if you're only listening to somebody else's conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I have found myself even on Netflix being like, I wish this could be faster. And then they added the speed up version, but it looks really weird because they're like moving fast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I'm like, so if you need, if you only have 30 minutes to be with us, like speed them up. Yeah. And, and you know, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into the titles that we love. I love these. Um, We both kind of collectively came up with a list of what we feel like is the best reading slump books. Books to get you out of that yeah. reading slump. Okay. And there's so many more. I think oh, we just yeah. kind of
1: pick the top 10 We only have
0: a certain amount of time.
1: <laughs> they just like bubble up to our brains yes. the, of the books that we've read. But yeah, yeah there's so many great ones. And oh, I forgot to mention. I don't know if we mentioned about rereading an old favorite. We?
0: Oh, yeah. Something I do if I am in a reading slump, I've gone back to a few old favorites. I've reread Akatar and Throne of Glass multiple yeah. times. I've reread Harry Potter multiple times. It's kind of like, Palette cleansing I feel like to reread an old favorite it reminds me of when you just want to
1: relax and you are ready for something to watch and you just mm-hmm. put on an old movie that you've seen a bunch
0: yeah outlander is like a palate <laughs> cleansing movie yes. uh modern family or parks and rec for me yes
1: I still love new I watch new girls still all the time. new girls
0: fantastic um and weirdly I just
1: I binge watch the twilight series sometimes when at I least need, once a year when I need like a good laugh or I just need to do a bunch of things and not know what's playing the in the background story
0: is is that mm, When you say, if you need a good laugh, I do. It's like nothing about those shows is (laughs) happening.
1: But it's comedy gold. But it's
0: golden. Just when she's like, wow, you have a lot of music. (laughs) (laughs) And I just. Hang on, Spider Monkey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I just immediately go to the the bad lip readings. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so good for Twilight. The Twilight ones are the best that are out there. Yeah. It's great. Hunger Games is pretty close, but like Hunger Games quality of movie, I feel like is just different. <laughs> yeah. We watch Pride and Prejudice all the
1: time. Like that's oh, yes. one of our favorite movies. So it's the same with a book. Like if you're like, oh, nothing is hitting, like hitting for me right now, like picking up an old favorite. Yes. It's just to remind you of like, okay, this is what a good book feels like for me. Yeah.
0: And, and then great. you're like, oh, I remember why I love reading. Okay. Okay. Book number one. So we're going to
1: dive into our list of books to grab if you're okay. in a slump. And I mentioned um, rereading an old favorite because the first book is one that I've read multiple times, which is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by
0: V.E. Schwab. We wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about a very important event that is happening at LichoyCrate.com. Oh, my
1: gosh. Tell us. I know.
0: On on February 21st, Lunicorns will get early access to the Vampire Academy collectors edition box set. So this box set is gorgeous. It has features we've never done before, which we always try and do something a little special, but this one is pretty epic. Um it drops on February 21st to Lunacorns and it opens to the public on the 22nd. And if you're like, "Alex, what's a Lunacorn?" I can tell you. <laughs> a Lunacorn is our nickname for our membership group. Our membership group is a group of readers just like you, but they come back to LitJoy and get extra perks. So they have early access. There's Lunicorn exclusive items. Mm-hmm. There's extra Lunicorn discounts. And we have a, a Facebook membership group where we do lives and we reveal product ahead of time, where we ask a bunch of questions or feedback on what product we want or they want us to do. So it's kind of just like this really cool book club, nerdy book club yeah. that we have at LitJoy. So make sure to check out our Lunicorns membership. It's titled Membership at the top of our website. And if you're just here for Vampire Academy, it opens to the public on the 22nd. So oh, so excited for that! Yes, me too.
1: I've yes. read this probably three times. I don't know why. I am so drawn to this book. Um, there's so many interesting elements in it. It makes sense to me. There's a lot of human elements. There's some myth a lot. Mytholo- mythological mythology to it almost uh like yes. old gods right but um i'm all how would you
0: summarize this book so Alex? the line the like pitch line is what is a person if not the marks they leave behind and essentially there is a girl uh in the book who she makes a deal uh she's um lives in france in the 1700s and. Life is just not always great for women back then. I don't know if you knew that. Spoiler. <laughs> Historically, women have been uh, pretty much sold as property. So she's in a situation mm-hmm. where she really early in the book, you learn this. She's betrothed, essentially, or yeah. is going to be forced to be married. And she doesn't want this life. But it feels like the only option for her is to have this life. And so she makes a deal with the devil, we'll say. Uh, yeah, it's basically to, what it is. Um, not live that life, yeah. but to live many lives And she uh, is invisible. She becomes like almost immortal. Correct. But people forget her as soon as she's not in their line of sight. Mm -hmm. And it's like meeting them for the first time. So that was the deal
1: with the devil, right? Mm -hmm. She
0: can live all these lives
1: and be who she wants and be independent and do whatever she feels like, basically.
0: But the flip side is second, she's out of their sight. They completely forget about her. And the reason why I think this gets you out of a reading slump is because it's one of those books that force you to ask yourself, like, what would I do? Would I live in 1700 France and marry a person I'm not in love with and just live the life where everything is predictable? She could see from beginning to end what her life would look like. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to live the life of, you know, the ability to experience, you know, endless things but to never have that close intimacy that, yeah, with a that deep person. connection, right and
1: this book it spans three hundred years, if I remember, right like quite a long time, and it's her experiences throughout life and what's interesting is these or the old God that made the deal with her with Addie uh kind of keeps popping in and out of her life, like mm-hmm. he finds her and he's like in a human form, and they have this really interesting relationship yeah. because it's the only person in her life who remembers her. Right. That she can have a connection with. But, I mean, he's the double, basically. He's toxic. He's not great. Um, but they do have a, a very interesting, convoluted They're relationship. Like
0: borderlines on romantic. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a oh, sure. fascination with one another. But—
1: huh. I think he's literally trying to, like, lull her to be with him, in a sense, and, and to try to tempt her to leave the life that she's asked for, basically. Yes. Um. But this book, it's so fascinating. I think there's just so much humanity in it too because yeah. then she meets somebody else who actually
0: remembers her. It's been it's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. And V.E. Schwab, she, the way she kind of described it was she was like, "I. it was important. To, I, I wanted to do, it to be my most beautiful and important book. Like mm-hmm. she, the way that she described it in the interview was that it was, she wanted it to be the best book she had ever written. And so I mean, V. Schwab is so incredibly talented. Yeah. And we love her books. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is my personal favorite. Me too. But um, I I would also recommend any of her other books to get you out of a slump. Yeah. Cause I feel like she is really good at, at immediately immersing you in circumstances that you had never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely. And just a quick summary
1: this is a standalone fiction book, which is also nice. You don't have to read the whole series Correct. kind of a thing. And uh, I thought this would be kind of fun to give the listeners kind of an idea of what this book is reminiscent of. Yes. So for The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, it is very reminiscent of like Mitchell Black, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar. Uh, the Book Thief, Time Traveler's Wife, and The Age of Adeline. Yes. So it all has those. all of those kind of compressed in with its own magical element. Yeah, It's so beautiful. I think I cried
0: at the end. So Yes. Anyways, it's worth a read. It's a good one. I know. Okay. Book two The Love Hypothesis of, um, by Allie Hazelwood. This is a contemporary rom com, women in STEM, academia kind of read. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where she, that's her sweet spot. Although she has a couple books coming out next year that I'm really excited for. Yeah. So we'll talk about those in another episode. Um, This one's great. The Tropes Grumpy Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Essentially, there is, it, I think it's like, t- I think it's like unofficially a Raylow. Oh, uh, like fan then, fiction, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that he is very much like a Ray or a, a a Kylo Ren, grumpy, tall, long black hair, moody kind of professor. Yes, please. I was like, <laughs> sign me up.
1: All, I love all those words
0: immediately. Yes, and she is kind of like this bubbly and enthusiastic PhD student, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, so. It's just yeah. like this is one of those just happy books that you when you read I mean, it you're smiling. He- yes, there's heavy elements to it, yeah. but the flirting is so great. I'm like li- like literally skimming through this. I'm all, I'm gonna go back and reread yeah. that. That was such a fun book to read. I need to read
1: her newer one, uh, The Love Theoretically. Yes, that one's getting great reviews too. So. Okay, perfect. Allie, I think um, her books are just. Refreshing, yeah, is probably a good way to put it. Just like, oh,
0: lovely palate cleanser. Okay, book three, The House in the Cerulean Sea by oh. TJ Klune. We kind of can't stop talking about TJ. He just has this magical quality about his writing that spans from like middle grade all the way through adult. Yeah, always has this really like deep heart feel to all of them. Yes, you just know that the character, the, it like you can. There's this undercurrent of love. In every one of his books. There's like love, kindness, and just
1: treating people uh, the way you want to be treated. Yes. there's And I love, I'm going to read this line uh, about it because I think it's perfect to kind of give you a quick idea yes. of what it's like. This is a, actually a YA contemporary fantasy that is 1984 meets the Umbrella Academy with a little hint of like Douglas Adams kind of
0: vibe thrown in. Yes, like kind of that dry humor. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. like
1: that sarcasm where you're all, Oh my gosh, just kind of creeps up out of nowhere, and the Umbrella Academy just like totally found family feeling like misfits, yeah, of misfits, but they're just the sweetest, you know. And you are so drawn to these characters. Yes, you see yourself or you see others that you love dearly in these characters that he that he comes up with, and I think that's why I feel and many people feel so close
0: to his books, right? yeah i don't know there's probably a lot of reasons but i think there's a second book in this series coming out next year as well yes oh this year this year well sorry this year it's 2024 folks that's I'm right. fine i'm <laughs> still getting used to it but yeah
1: it's a it's not a prequel
0: no it, it's um it's a continuation it's a continuation like book two i'm so happy about this i know i just i didn't anticipate it and I, yeah. i'm excited to learn more about the story behind it oh my gosh it'd be so fun to interview tj Oh, we should, should try to do that. that. I know. We should reach out to him.
1: I wrote down my feelings about it when I first read it, which is reading The House in the Cerulean Sea feels like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket during the cold winter storm Oh, because it it has that effect of just like, I feel so warm and cozy inside. And I also feel like there's like this invincibility feeling after I read his books Yeah,
0: of just like, I know it's important and it's love, you know, like um, yes. you just feel so empowered. I remember when reading *Under the Whispering Door*, um, there are hard things in it. Oh, like yeah. it begins with the death of the main character, mm-hmm. and there's also like you know wandering spirits essentially that are lost. And mm-hmm. and um, so I'm like, his books do a really good job of talking about things that are really difficult and kind of a magical way. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know adoption or um, like abandonment, mm-hmm. uh, death, um, illness. And I think that he just—you he, can tell—he's a writer and his genius, mm-hmm. doing exactly what he's meant to do. He's one of those writers too, where you don't ever get his books mixed up with someone else's. No, they—he has such a, a writing blueprint or like footprint of his own, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, so it's a great way to put it. And yeah. he's very inclusive as well, which I yeah. really
0: appreciate.
1: And, he has a lot of LGBTQ that he writes into, I think, almost all of his books. Yes. And he does it in a way that's just so natural and not and a little bit subtle, but it just feels yeah. so part of the story. You don't think twice about it. Right.
0: Which is like how people live their lives normally. Yeah. I think we get so bombarded with diversity conflict, you know, especially over the last three years. Yeah. Where like, it's oh, like
1: there's the token person. yeah, yeah.
0: Or, And like uh, in either direction. Mm. And I think the thing that's so wonderful about writing like this is it it makes the point that humans are humans and that we all have more in common than different. And I love that it doesn't feel formulaic at all. Whereas like sometimes I think in fantasy, especially Mm. in fantasy, it was disproportionately white heterosexual for like hundreds of years, the 200 years that we've had the genre, that's what it's always been. And so I think it was so obvious when we started to see more characters of color or different sexual orientations Mm -hmm. and that created like a lot of conversation around it. But I, I do believe that the genre is better. I personally believe the genre is so much better when people don't all look and behave the same. And so I'm like, I think diversity in books is so important. Oh, yeah. I think it is so important. But I love how he does it in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't feel like meeting a quota, exactly. you know, because sometimes it feels that way a little bit. It can. Yeah.
1: And I get why. Oh, right? totally. For sure. And, but that's exactly how I felt. I'm like, there's just something that it just feels so effortless with yes. his writing, that, where it's included. Yeah. And then you're like, cool. And don't think yeah. twice about it, but it adds so much flavor to the story, too.
0: Yeah. And he's a diverse voice himself. And yeah. and I think that's why it's so important to have diverse authors, because it it like lends to a more interesting and accurate depiction of humanity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm like his books just for that reason I think get me out of reading some too, because mm-hmm. they're unexpected. So
1: And they always end in a way that you are just like glowing from the inside yeah. out and you're just like Ah, warm hug. It's like that Olaf moment. Yeah. I'm just like, ah. hi, I like warm hug. Like that's exactly if I could epitomize yeah. his books. It would, there's something about Olaf's
0: personality that those two just go together. Energy but. where he where he's like, I'm just struggling with the existential crisis that is existence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, with a smile? <laughs> yeah. I know. Just, okay. We oh, wait, should move on. Yeah. yeah okay. like Book four. Book Freaking love this book. This book is a blast it's, from the beginning to the end. It's a party. It's a party. Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Yep, I respectfully would not recommend book two. <laughs> book one was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was a delight. It's like the world video game. I we've talked about Ready Player One before. Yep. Quick rundown if you haven't. Uh, it's a fantasy nerd utopia and a pure delight as we wrote down in our notes. Yeah. Um, Basically, it's 2044. The world is apocalyptic. And and everybody lives in a virtual reality.
1: Yeah. We talked about this before. They live in the stacks, you know, which is these, like, mobile homes just stacked, like, a mile high, basically. Like, the world is so... uh, Full, like overpopulated basically. And so, and everyone feels pretty miserable. It's like pretty gray life. So everyone lives in the virtual reality instead. And so they're playing this game, which is basically like the 1980s on crack in the game. It totally is. It's amazing. Uh, It's so much fun. And there are way more Easter eggs than I could ever pick up on Mm -hmm. because
0: I think somebody actually did list them all out. And it's just like Ernest Klein was a person who was like, I peaked in the 80s and we're going to write about it. Like, it, or not even peaked. It was like, that was like his obsession. I think yeah. he, when he sold this book, he bought like, what's the car in? Um, oh, Back to the Future. Yeah, I keep wanting to say The Mandalorian. Me too. But I'm like that, I don't think that's, it's the DeLorean. Thank you. DeLorean. The DeLorean. Um, he like purchased the car from the film. Like he loves the 80s. Yes. And this book was like where he funneled, all of his passion and creativity. Yes. And it's just like, it's like eating a full bag of Dorito chips. It's just like a <laughs> blast the whole way through. <laughs> Good,
1: Good way to sh- put it. You know what I mean? So I'm like highly it's recommend It's an indulgence. And I, you don't have to love the 80s. You don't even have to love video games to love this book. Totally. You will just enjoy the journey that you go on. And it's got a really fun ending as well. And we, it's not a standalone now, but it was for quite some time. He released the second book, What we Talked About, and we read it. And it was fun, but I kind of feel like you just really need to read the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Politely yeah. decline reading the second. Decline.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think people should let us do this anymore. <laughs> okay. Number five, Beach Read. Another, it's it's a rom-com, but I will say this one felt heavier than Love Hypothesis. This one had some very heavy elements. So yeah, this is Beach Read by Emily Henry. Emily Henry's always another stuff. auto read
1: yes mm-hmm. her books are great um beach read is not as light as i expected like you were saying like yes. it's not like a total beach read in that sense um but
0: i thoroughly enjoyed the gym. yeah. so grumpy sunshine both of them writers yes and we've mentioned this one a couple times too so it is a mm-hmm. good palate cleanser if you haven't read if you if you're stuck in a slump this one's intriguing Right away.
1: If I remember, this one is two writers who were both sort of in a writing slump. Yes. And they are staying in the same like seaside little village. But they
0: hate each other.
1: um, And they write by each other and they kind of don't like each other. But they both challenge each other to write the other author's genre. Yes. Right? So he has to write like romance. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to write something more like drama fiction. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see them attempt those and what they learn from it. And they're both humbled, you know, by the end. But then there's some heavy stuff in the in the middle there that I'm not talking about without spoilers. But by the end, love
0: finds Obviously. them. <laughs> and it's spicy. Uh, yeah. That's why you I call it like like a- three spice. Yeah. 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 I love Beach Read. So good. Okay. Now we're going to pivot to or pivot. We're going to go right into number six. I'm so excited to talk about this one. I'll talk about this book every podcast. I just loved it so much. I'm like, it is science. It is. It's humor. I mean, it's humor. It is. Uh, existential. I would say post. Yeah. Existential. It's space. So the main character wakes up in space yeah. and doesn't remember anything. He wakes up with amnesia and he slowly remembers that Earth is on the fast track to extinction. Yeah. And that he's in space because of that. And the whole story is about this Project Hail Mary Mm -hmm. and his role in it. And I love it. I'm like, as someone who firmly believes that there is life outside of Earth and intelligent life, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll call it, I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, totally believe in extraterrestrials. Just from like a math perspective. And so this book, he's soaring through space. And of course, he has to... Think about that question. Like, are we alone? Is the end of Earth the end of life? And so it sounds a little gloom and doom, but he's such a charismatic character. You don't really care if he lives or dies by the end. You just, like, love the journey, I will
1: say. Yes. I totally agree with that. I'm going to read this one line because I'm all—I have so many feelings about it. But So Project Hail Mary is one of those books, and this is my perspective, that restores your faith in humanity, even for the most jaded of us. Because when you put our minds together, you know, all of our minds collectively, you can cooperate and collaborate and do incredible things. Yes. The literally entire world has to come together to try to save humanity. Like, all the countries put aside any indifferences they have, and they work to figure it out. And they put an incredible team together, including the main character in the book. Like, he goes into space with a team, they don't all wake up. Yeah. You know, and so... you. I've noticed with Andy Weir, a lot of his books, it's a very solitary
0: experience for at least one of the characters. Yes. The one in space. And he's so good at creating mechanisms for us to Mm -hmm. connect with a person who's just talking to themselves.
1: And I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm not a big sci-fi person. Like I don't love that genre. It's not my go-to genre hardly ever. But the ones we have picked for our book club or the ones that I just hear a lot of buzz about that I pick up and read, uh, like this one. I'm like, I just absolutely fell in love with it. I adored this book. And the science, don't let it scare you. He, like you mentioned, the mechanism, you know, he's so good at writing in the science in a way that's very palatable and easy to grasp and understand. Yeah. And it totally enhances the book in a fun way. Totally. It's not overwhelming where you're like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. So the science made it even better on top of an incredible story. And the book slowly unfolds as his mind continues to remember what's happening. Like, Throughout the entire book, right? You are remembering with him what's happening on yep. Earth and why he's in space. So the tension right from the first page gets you. And I literally like, couldn't put this book down because I'm like, is Earth going to be saved? What's happening? And then I know. There's a spoiler I don't want to bring up. No, nope, don't do it.
0: Don't bring it up. I want to. But it is so good. It was like one of my favorite reading moments of all time is when I got to that page. Yes. I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you'll get to
1: that page and it'll be like, Alex screamed into the mic. I remember. And highly recommend the audio. It's a full, yes. ca- it's full cast. It's incredible read. Uh, reading of the audio. Mm-hmm. So
0: recommend that one 100%. I know. And if you're like, I don't love sci-fi, but I want to be pulled out. Of, wait, hold on. We might have it on the list. No, uh, I would just say Illuminate Files, another great sci-fi yes. to pull you out of a reading slump. Yep. And buy the book. Listen to the audio. It is worth every penny to do both. And every minute of your time. Yeah. It's thoroughly immersive. Okay, okay. Number seven, Fourth Wing.
1: This is like on every list Rebe- we have.
0: By Rebecca Yarros. I just feel like because we have witnessed the mass Appeal of the book. Absolutely. If you're not into reading or if you're in a reading slump, it's such an easy one for us to recommend yeah because of how many people have started to read it and just like are obsessed. And I'm like, oh, this is like a mass market romanticy, which doesn't happen with every romanticy, right? No. Yeah. It so. is
1: everywhere. Because I just traveled um in December, every single airport, everywhere I went, yes. it was there. I was in Singapore
0: and it was there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it just happened so quickly. I feel yes. like we're used to like a slower get going but right she debuted with this last year and it blew up within six months so
0: it was very quick yes you know iron flame book has already come out also Which, fun by the way iron flame you'll hear a lot of buzz about people being like really disappointed in the ending and i'm like i think i have a theory on that and let me know your thoughts kelly i thought that the ending was very well not very I i predicted the ending of that book like, by halfway through the book. Mm. Where I was like, oh, this thing is going to happen to either this character or this character. And that's what's going to have to be the thing they overcome in the next book. Yeah. Because it's a five-book series. Yep. I felt like Rebecca, like, totally— de- She delivered the promise of the premise that it is a romanticy, mm-hmm. that it is a fantasy. And oftentimes in fantasy novels, obstacles like the one at the end of book two are very common. Because you have to keep it going for five books. Yeah, yeah. So you can't just have them like, have a happy ending at the end of book two. And so I thought she did a great job of upping the stakes. I just am like, we'll defend the end. Because I thought it was a great way to end book two, personally. I agree. I I thoroughly enjoyed the second
1: book. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that exact thing coming yeah That you're talking about but a lot of people were really upset by the end but i think you and i have just read so many fantasies right that we like know there's a certain cadence yes and predictability about certain things and when we knew it was going to be five books we're like they're going to be there's going to be pulling together coming back there's going to be obstacles to over like yeah it makes sense totally all of book three is probably going to be a shit show for all the characters because of the drama at the end yeah, of book two
0: yeah like, which is kind of the point because like you want to come back right I loved Fourth Wing uh, and I loved Iron Flame. Yeah. I thought they were just very um, palatable, yeah. fun books to read. And even if you don't understand all of the intricacies of a magic system, that's why it's romanticy, because mm-hmm. it's really about the relationship between those yeah. characters. And so I think that I love that it's a simpler fantasy for the mass appeal, that it can yes. get more people into reading, similar to how. Twilight did. Yeah. And yeah. Sarah J. Moss in some ways. I feel like her writing sometimes goes more into fantasy than romance. And that can be a little bit polarizing. Mm-hmm. I personally live in that zone I love it. I love it so much. Um, but I do love that Rebecca was like, reading's cool. Like, let yeah. me show you with this very immersive fun experience. Exactly. And this is the only book that we're recommending
1: that's like a part of a big series, because normally I wouldn't. But it's exactly what you said, which is that it just appeals to so many people because it, there's so many fun moments yep. in this story. So don't expect it to like completely change your life or anything, but it's going to make you... Expect to pick it up and not put it down. Yes. Book eight? Yes. It is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Again... Not my typical genre. Yeah. To read, you know, this is a, a YA mystery thriller. Yes. And I think that I struggle with this genre because it feels so predictable a lot of the time or, you know, there's always people who try to guess the ending.
0: I don't know why it's just not for me. I'm like, I don't enjoy yeah, trying yeah. to guess the ending. And, and I personally, this book for me was, uh, was like a 3.5. Like it, no. I, I did not love it, but, um, I, that for me, I know is because I don't love the genre, yeah. And so I am just like very much not a murder mystery person. I'm really getting people excited about this one, Whoops. but but if I find I in our book club, yes. everyone loved, loved it. it. Kelly and I just don't read murder mysteries often. I just personally, like, like, I gave it a four, I think, but yeah, out of five. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's.
1: Um, It was such a fun read, though, again.
0: And I couldn't put it down. Like, I listened to it very quickly because Mm -hmm. I was so intrigued. So I just think the genre of murder mystery or thriller in general is really great for reading Mm slumps because it it makes it so—you are so curious as a human. We are so curious about endings. And I feel like— What's great about a murder mystery is you know that someone dies or you know that, you know, and then you have to keep, like, finding out. You gotta pull that thread. Each little next
1: thing, you Mm -hmm. know. And I specifically recommended this one for a murder mystery for those who don't always love the genre because it's too intense. Correct. Or, like, the content is you know, uh, trigger warnings or it's just you don't want something that's going to keep you up at night in that way. Yes, it wasn't like serial killer scary. Yeah, yeah. So it's lighter in the sense of the content of the mystery and the murder mystery Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, It's still going to want to keep you up because you're going to want to know how it ends. Yes. So in that way, it was a great read. And again, seeing her book club react to it, everyone was just in love with this. They loved it. And there are, I apologize because this is also part of a series, I forgot. Um, There are two more in the,
0: in the series, but you don't have to read them, right? They they all could be standalones, but yeah. they kind of build on each other. If you want them, yeah. if you wanted to read them all, yeah. So. I also really did love the Silent Patient for a more adult mm. version of a thriller. That's a really great one to bring yes. out of a reading slump. That one's fascinating. Yep. Wow.
1: Okay, I'm going right. to jump now, right into nine. talk about your favorite. I know I kind of forgot that we were going to be talking about it. So, Laura olympus the graphic novel series by Rachel Smythe. So yeah say it. sure and so this is it's beautiful it's super unique um it, it is five star for me in the sense that the art obviously is gorgeous yes I love it it's obviously gonna be kind of cartoon that's the point of the graphic oh novel. yeah it's it's like graphic illustration but like yeah. each of the gods and goddesses that she's representing in the books has like a different color to them and that's how you keep them straight and mm-hmm. um, and again it's, it's like the main focus is Persephone and Hades love their story but you get all the gods and goddesses and demigods and all the other little characters that fulfill all the rest of the pages and enrich the story. And because it's a graphic novel, they're short. I can read one of the books, let's say they're 300 pages, hour or less, right? I'm done in like an hour and I'm like, read a book. Great. Yep. Check it off. And right now, I believe she has five volumes out and there's Amazing. more coming. So I was like,
0: I'm going to go home and immediately buy these and then the Percy Jackson ones for Liam. Yes, they're so I'm good. like, I'm so excited. So, I was
1: going to say the synopsis, if it's helpful, is experience the push and pull love story of two Greek gods, Hades and Persephone, brought to life with this beautiful artwork. So there's lots of gossip, lots of wild parties, forbidden love, and witness what the gods do after dark in the stylish and contemporary reimagining of one of mythology's most well-known stories. So And, and she's won lots of awards for this mm-hmm. as well. So you guys got to go check it out. If you're not into graphic novels, just give this one a chance. Love it. Love it. Let's right. move
0: on. <laughs> Perfect. The last one, number 10, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis. Um, we recommended this one a few times. There's a movie coming out or just came out. Um, yeah. That's a- and this is a book that I think is just near and dear to our heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and for sure, it, it came at a time when um, I think it, we both kind of were in a bit of a reading slump. And so it was Unexpected. And really beautiful read by—it mm-hmm. uh, was Bonnie's debut novel, Novel, um, and I believe she's in her 60s? I'm not sure. 50s or 60s. Okay. I can't remember. I saw an interview with her. And she is kind of a, you know, not—she's a, a, not a young writer. And yes, for this, being a debut and author. I feel like her wisdom was so clear in this book. Mm-hmm. So this book is about a woman who—imagine uh, if all men took women seriously— uh, <laughs> Basically, it's, it's about a woman who essentially gets kicked out of her. She is a brilliant scientist, yeah. And because of you know the sexism that is the 1960s she gets kicked out of her program when her uh, husband is no longer in the picture. Yeah, sounds so also in the program. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it is heartfelt. She empowers women around her through a TV program where yeah. she teaches women how to cook. With scientific terms. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's test her science and chemistry and all of that and and uses it in cooking. Yes. And teaches in a way that's so unique that people are so drawn to. And women continually flock to sit in um, on her recordings. Yes. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing and it becomes this huge phenomenon. And n- the men actually start getting nervous like, oh, she's got too much power, basically, mm-hmm. that she's influencing all these women in their homes. As is always the case. Yeah so it is it's frustrating in that sense
0: yes but it's so good it's a great one I think we recommended this on our book club books it's a great one for book club reads yes it is highly recommended I think what I loved about this book this is more just a personal note I have met that friction Mm -hmm. for my whole life I from the moment I was very young I remember how uncomfortable I made men around me Um, And I grew up in kind of a traditional culture, so that could have been a part of it. But I still feel how uncomfortable I make some men around me. Mm -hmm. I tend to surround myself with men who are very much like, uh, who very much believe in gender equality. And like, that's who I welcome into my life. But I, I can just witness through this book, I had such, like, I could empathize so much with her because I think that women with strong voices we're really of the first generation where it's like politically incorrect to be sexist, mm. <laughs> but also there's still this residue of that sexism mm-hmm. that it is like this current uh, undercurrent in yeah. interactions. And um, I mean, we've just, we've had men that we don't know who, like there was a man who was trying to sell us insurance for our company. And he was like, we told it, it was the first time he met us. And he was like, I'm just so proud of you girls and I remember you and me being like you gross do you know and he's not trying to be unkind he just didn't know any better and you still are responsible for things that you don't know any better mm. and so I think that there's a lot of moments in here where there's varying degrees of like these men treating her different because she's a woman and some of them are just blatantly sexist, but some of them are just saying things like, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't realize how patronizing that is. Yeah. And so I loved this book because I was like, it ignited in me like a fire, like a familiar fire. Mm-hmm. And then it also was like so great to talk about with other people mm. and their experience because I know some people in book club are like, I've never had an experience like that. And I'm like, because like
1: lucky one i know
0: it's like lucky you i was like that happened to me like my whole life yeah
1: and so definitely the different situations you put yourself in increase those interactions right and i think you and i being women business owners we tend to increase our experience working with men in different different worlds and you know and, and so we've definitely had some interesting experiences and and can kind of relate to what's going on to you, the character in this yeah. book because in this is like based in the 60s basically when they like had zero rights and they were at the bottom of the barrel for giving them any kind of jobs and pay and it's just so frustrating in that sense. Yes. And what I love about Elizabeth Zah the main character is that she is I believe she's autistic. Yes. Um, and so for her she's just like that isn't fair. That doesn't make sense. That shouldn't
0: yes. be the way it is. She says the thing that is the right thing to say. Exactly. Because she doesn't subscribe to societal pressure or norms. Mm-hmm. So she's standing up for what she's like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. She's like, logically, women are not dumber than men.
1: Yeah. And they're like, oh,
0: sweetie. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so it's just her perseverance in doing in her mind and in a mind too, what's right. Yes. And what's fair for both sexes. Yeah. And even down to how she treats her dog. Remember? Is it 30? Yes. Is his name? Uh, oh, 60, 63. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember why she needs him 63, but she taught her dog 600 words. Yes. And she's like, don't limit people or dogs. Like, they can do it. You just got
0: to give them the chance. Yes. I think she was a wonderful character, a wonderful story, and definitely got me out of a reading slump. So, yeah.
1: Okay, well, See? that's our top 10 list of books that we wanted to tell you guys about to help get you out of a reading slump and they've helped us get out of yeah. reading slumps and wonderful books recommend for all kinds of
0: occasions but yeah. anyways and if this there's a little social clip from this it'll go on instagram i'm sure okay. i Mike, like tell us what books got you out of reading slumps oh, so i'm yeah. like we'd love to read some of those too yeah yeah all right thank you for listening all right reader thank you for listening to the lit joy podcast make sure to rate and review us and like a good book don't forget to recommend us to your
1: friends